Verse 8. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. And an angel of Yahweh appeared to them, and the glory of Yahweh shone around them. And they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news. Now, Caesar Augustus is like, good news. The, the herald would go through the entire empire. Good news. A king, Caesar Augustus, is ruling over you, and he will bring peace, the Pax Ramona. And everybody would be like, yes, finally. But yet now the angels come and say, good news. A king, the true king of the universe, has been born to you. He brings great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior, sociopolitical and spiritual Savior, is born in the city of David. He is the Christ. The word Christ here is the Greek version of Messiah. Meshach is um, Hebrew for Messiah or anointed one. And Christ is Greek for the anointed one. The one that God has chosen and anointed to do his will. And for the Israelites, it is mostly kingship. The anointed one is the king. The Lord. This will be the sign. Remember, every prophecy requires a sign. For you, you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a vast heavenly army. Your Bibles probably say host, but that word host means military regiment, an army. Appear with the angel praising God. We have these shepherds now. They're out in this field. And a lot of people teach the idea that the shepherds were, they were disdained. People didn't like them. They were the lowest of the low. They were viewed as robbers and thieves and untrustworthy people. And, and what God is doing is coming to these like vile people of humanity, society, like what we would think of sailors. Somehow shepherds have become the sailors of the ancient world. Vile, untrustworthy, thieving, low scumbag people. That's not accurate in any kind of a way. Okay, that is taking an understanding of what shepherds are like much later, like a couple hundred years after Jesus and then reading it back into the time of Jesus. Shepherds were not looked down upon. They were not seen as untrustworthy. They were not seen as vile. And oh, by the way, shepherds also didn't carry sheep on their back. That's not practical. Sheep don't stay there very well. And that, yeah, I'm sorry I'm ruining everything for you right now. Rip that sheep off of your shepherd's back in your nativity scene and put it where it belongs on the floor. So um, they didn't actually do that. Some pastor like made an assumption, and he was so influential back in the 50s that everybody's like, well, he said it, it must be true. And then it just spread to modern-day America somehow. But that shepherds don't carry their sheep on their backs like that. There, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. So The problem with this is, First, this is a later understanding. Shepherds will later become known as that, much later, generations later. And you can't read what happens later in history back on previous times in history. Also, the First Testament figures of Abraham and Moses and David were shepherds. These are the most respected people in Jewish traditions. Like shepherding is the Jewish DNA. Their greatest heroes, their greatest men that started the nation of Israel, kept it going, were all shepherds. And, and they're, the Jewish people even today are the most traditional, unwavering 
This is the way that we've done in the past. Group of people probably in all of the world. They have kept traditions going from back in the time of Jesus today that most of us abandon traditions like within two generations. There's no way they're going to violate everything that they know about the First Testament and shepherds and all that kind of stuff and the great men, Abraham who started it and David who was the king and, and, and Moses who brought the law and be like, oh, you're horrible, evil, thieving kind of people. The shepherds are still going to have a high idea in their mind. Third, shepherds are used all throughout the prophets. The Psalms constantly referred to Yahweh as a shepherd. The, the prophets constantly referred to the Messiah as a shepherd. Je, the, the prophets often allude to shepherds. And if Jesus was going to be culturally relevant, then he shouldn't have talked about shepherds so much. In his own teachings, he talked about he was the great shepherd, and he's come to shepherd the people, and his sheep know his name, and they follow him, and, and like a shepherd, and shepherd, 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 shepherd. Well, if he's speaking to a bunch of people who view shepherds as thieves, then he's basically saying, God is a thief. I'm a thief. I'm a scoundrel. I'm going to ruin and steal everything from you. Like, that's how they would view it. And yet, he was very culturally irrelevant. And so none of this works in the context of the Gospels. However, you should see the shepherds as the poor. They are the poor. Even though they're not vile and they're not um, disdained and they're not untrustworthy, they are the poor. And God is coming to them. But the thing that's interesting is a lot of scholars, based on Bethlehem, based on the timing here, that Bethlehem was right outside of this hill called Migdal Eder. And Migdal Eder was a hill that was basically run by the priesthood. And they had shepherds that worked for them that had the sole purpose of raising sheep for the Passover. At this time period, the Jews are spread all throughout Israel. And it is very difficult if you're 90 miles away up in Nazareth to grab your sheep and make that 90-mile trip with sheep. Sheep don't travel like that. Uh, and to make that 90 mile with your sheep in order to make a sacrifice. So what they would do instead is they would bring money and they would go to the temple and then they would buy a pure lamb in order to sacrifice it for Passover. Well, where are they buying these lambs? The priesthood had their own shepherding business. And they had it on Migdal Eder, which is right literally outside of Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem and Jerusalem are really close to each other and between them is Migdal Eder, and this is where they would be. They had shepherds under their pay, and they would raise sheep all year for this express purpose of being sacrificed, like a turkey farm. You exist only for one day of the year to cut their heads off and eat them for the mass population of Americans. And so this is what they would do. And this is a further irony, because not only do you have Jesus being wrapped in the swaddling clothes, humble birth and death burial cloths, but now you have the shepherds coming to visit Jesus who are in charge of the Passover lambs so they can come and see the Passover lamb that has just been born in Bethlehem that night. And so this is intentional, that God has literally aligned everything in a very specific way to say, get it, get it, get it. And this is why Jesus can say, if you really knew the Father, you would know me. And if you really knew the word of God, you would have connected all the dots and figured out what I was and who I was. 
And God is doing this intentionally for them to figure this out. We've mentioned this before, but it's, here's the other, okay, I'm going to ruin another one for you. I'm going to ruin your entire Christmas pageant. But once again, it was actually your Christmas pageant that ruined the visual of the Bible. There is no heavenly choir of angels who come and say, the Savior is born. And they're like playing their harps and singing, blessed, hark the herald angels sing. Okay, there's none of that. Okay, they're called a heavenly host. First, nowhere does it say that they're singing. Nowhere does it say they have long flowing white robes. Nowhere does it say that they have angels. No, it wings. Nowhere does it say that they're sitting on clouds. Nowhere does it say that they are singing in any kind of a way or playing instruments. It says that they proclaimed, they announced. And once again, they're called a heavenly army. Think about it. You have the king of the universe, Yahweh, sitting on the throne. And when Caesar Augustus became king, he sent his armies and his heralds out through the empire to announce his enthronement. Now you have the king of the universe, Yahweh is sitting on the throne, and his son has been born, the heir to the throne, who's going to sit at his right hand and rule over the entire world. And he has now been born in Jerusalem. You're not going to send a choir. What do kings send? They send their military and their heralds. And it's done. If you've seen movies like this, like the, it's very formal. The people march in, the military comes in, the herald rolls out the scroll, they officially announce and proclaim. This is an edict. This is a proclamation. And so the army of Jesus, the army that when he gets old enough is going to obey him and serve him, the army that already obeyed him and served him pre-incarnation, while he is sitting on the throne of God. The army that's going to serve and obey him again after he's lifted back up, according to Philippians chapter 2 and Hebrews 1, is announcing the birth of their king on earth. The king that has always existed has now arrived to earth. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. And they emphasize Savior. He is the Messiah, King, and the town of David, the throne of David, the line of David. This is the emphasis. And then it says that they praise God. You can praise God without singing. So think more like military cadence. Military cadence. And the emphasis is on military. The emphasis is on power. The emphasis is on their glory. So they begin to proclaim and praise, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among people with whom He is pleased. This is their cadence. This is their proclamation. That God is the highest, not Caesar Augustus. He is the one who's given birth to the Messiah, not Caesar Augustus. And the Messiah will bring peace to those whom God is pleased with. Those people are those who submit and enter into the covenant community of God. That's not an accurate translation either. The phrase here is actually not that God is not announcing that Jesus bring peace on earth. And he's definitely not announcing in goodwill to all mankind. That's not the idea. Jesus is not bringing peace. He made it very clear in his first coming that his coming is going to bring division between families. And people are going to turn against each other. And the world is going to hate you like they hated me. And then in the, God, the revelation, he comes. And he comes bringing war. Okay? 
Christ has not come to bring peace on earth to all people. The Greek here specifically says that he's come to bring peace to all whom he is pleased with or to all whom belong to him. He is bringing peace to those who are part of the kingdom of God. You cannot have the fruits of the Spirit when you're outside the covenant of God. You cannot have joy, peace, hope, and love when you're outside the covenant of God. You cannot have these fruits of the Spirit when you're rebelling against God, when you're rejecting God, when you're opposed to Him, either directly against Him or indirectly just through your own sinful rebellion. And what he's pronouncing is not a peace on earth. He's pronouncing peace and joy for his covenant people, the people who submit and surrender to his kingship and enter into his covenant kingdom and then serve him and take up their cross and deny themselves and follow him. That's who is going to receive peace and joy. And one day when he comes back, all those outside the covenant community will be ushered into the lake of fire and those who are part of his covenant community will rule on earth for all eternity in peace and joy. This is not a utopia. This is a covenant community. A covenant community. See, in a utopia, everybody is a part of the world peace, whether they had anything to do with it or not, or want to be there or not. But a covenant community is you have to make yourself a part of it. You have to enter into it. And this is what they're proclaiming. And of course, God's desires, none shall perish, but that all will receive eternal life. So the hope is that all people will come into the covenant community of God, but the reality is narrow is the road and narrow is the gate and few enter. But broad is the gate and broad is the road and many do not enter. And so that's the reality. When the angels left, them and went back to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. The Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in the manger, the sign that fulfills the prophecy. When they saw him, they realized that they had been told about this child. Sorry, when they saw him, they re- related what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were astonished. Who's all the people hearing it? Well, first, the people's rooms that they just plowed through in their excitement. Okay, you know if they just plowed through, they're all like poking their head in and like, we just thought we were being nice to this family. We didn't know there was anything special about this boy. And then, of course, all the people in the neighborhood. Okay, when a bunch of people come plowing through in a hundred family town, that news is going to spread pretty quickly. And all her were astonished at the way the shepherds said, but Mary treasured up all these words pondering in her heart what they might mean. She's trying to figure this all out. Remember, her head's still spinning. It's only been nine months. It's only been nine months. So the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. And then the shepherds, her tending to the priestly sheep for the Passover meal, start acting like priests by going out and proclaiming the coming priest the good news. And so this is the model. Remember, when Jesus comes and acts, he says, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and to the furthest parts of the earth, and I will give you my spirit, and he will come upon you in power to be my witness. 